You are Locked On Panthers, your daily Carolina Panthers podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome into another edition of the Locked On Panthers podcast, a part of the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm your host, as always, Julian Council, talking Carolina Panthers with you every Monday through Friday, your team every day. That's what we do here on the Locked On Podcast Network. Make sure to watch the show and subscribe to the show over on YouTube. Thank you to everyone who's done that so far. We've got a great following, started doing it on YouTube at the end of February, and so far we are just short of 1,700 subscribers. Let's get to 2,000, so thanks again to everyone who's done that. And if you don't watch the show on YouTube, that's okay. You can check us out on all the traditional podcasting platforms, whether it be Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Odyssey, Stitcher, and all the, S- all the others out there. Just make sure to rate, review, and subscribe to the show so you don't miss a single episode of Locked On Panthers. And be sure to follow me on Twitter at Julian Council, where every single Friday I answer your weekly Friday mailbag questions. And with the mailbag moving forward, I know we have people who watch on YouTube, but the easiest way, I think, for y'all to get me your questions in is simply just DM me on Twitter at Julian Council. DMs are open. Going through all the YouTube comments, there's so many of them. It's just easier if you just send me a DM at Julian Council. So if you can do that, that would be fantastic moving forward. If you can put in most, if not all, of your Friday mailbag questions there, via twitter that's how we used to do it before we did youtube anyway and we got plenty of them back then so just go back to that being the more traditional way of getting your friday mailbag question so at me at julian council or dm me at julian council there for the weekly friday mailbag moving forward here on locked on panthers and this episode of locked on panthers is brought to you by bet online bet online has you covered this season with more props odds and lines than ever before bet online where the game starts so just got back from a long weekend. Hopefully everyone enjoyed their Memorial Day weekend and was out there safe and happy and staying cool because I know it was hot down here in Charlotte where I was. was not hot at all. It's pretty cool, which was nice to get away from that uh, sun that we're going to have here in the summer for the next couple of months. So back here, got an opportunity finally once I got home, really just a few minutes ago, to uh, sit down and watch Panthers Confidential, which I thought last year it was awesome to see the behind the scenes and what they've done. And I know we've talked about in the past how great it would be to have like hard knocks, you know, the, whether it be the in-season one or the traditional preseason one, and how great it was to have the Amazon All or Nothing series where you can actually get the behind the scenes. But I don't know if Amazon or HBO are going to do a better job than what the Panthers digital team has done for the fans by taking them inside how the Carolina Panthers have operated the last two off seasons heading into the draft. Now, do we, did I miss it? I don't think we had anyone uh, this year about free agency, but still, either way, maybe I missed it. Maybe we did, but either way, they did a really good job again this year and taking us inside. And of course uh, the main focal point at the beginning of it was Iki Aquanu. And so cool to see a guy who grew up in the Charlotte area from Matthews, went to Providence day school. And of course played NC state over the last couple of seasons to be back in the stadium walking down to his seats, reliving the scenes from that NFC title game back in 2015 against Arizona to put out all the clips and him just remembering the Panthers coming out of that tunnel on the left and the Cardinals getting booed on the right and Luke Keekley's pick six. It's like, I can totally relate to that because I think back, you know, me going to games growing up and thinking about the 03 season. Beginning of the year, Rodney Peake gets benched at halftime. Jake DeLome comes in, leads him back. And I'm seeing that corner end zone where he hit Ricky Prohl to beat the Jaguars there on an opening day and really the cardiac cats that's when they were born that season with the speech that Sam Mills gave prior to that Dallas game. And I remember being in that Dallas game and Julius Peppers taking it back to the house. It's just those kind of those, those memories are just so cool. And then for someone like Icky to be here from Charlotte back home and now, and understand like what it meant for him 
as a kid growing up in the Charlotte area to go to those games and now understanding just what his role is in this community and going to pay it forward and just pay it back. Everything that the organization's given him as a kid growing up here, being a football fan. And I love that so much. And again, like I told you, I was super excited to get him and the Panthers were obviously super excited to get him because they did not expect him to be there as we saw the run up to the draft. Now we never got a concrete look at like who their top tackles were when they're having the conversations, they were trying to figure out, if two corners would go in the top five and where they might go and also trying to figure out where the edge rushers would go, likely one and two, which is how it played out with um, Trayvon Walker going to Jacksonville and Aiden Hutchinson staying home and going to the Detroit Lions. So they were trying to figure out how that was going to play out, but it was really the Giants and they wanted to know what was going to happen. And we saw Scott Fitter call Joe Shane, the new general manager up there in Buffalo, who used to work down here in Carolina, but also used to work with the assistant general manager here now in Carolina, Dan Morgan. So they have that relationship. Just kind of calling and be like, hey, you know, why don't you guys go ahead and uh, take your edge rusher here and then get your tackle there at seven, which is what they did, taking Kayvon Thibodeau from Oregon at five, and then later on at seven, taking Evan Neal out of Alabama. But it really felt like leading up to it, the Panthers were pretty much all in on Icky Aquano, at least from what they showed us. So again, we didn't get the inside look of really – what all their evaluations of the offensive tackles were and Charles Cross and Evan Neal and, of course, Iki Kwan, who they end up getting there at six. But again, going leaving the, the, the combine, Peter King and many out there were, all, were saying that Iki Kwanu might be the best player in the draft. Now, he looked like he might be the number one overall pick if Jacksonville was going to go with a tackle there. They eventually did uh, sign Cam Robinson to a longer deal, which then kind of took them off the board there to take a left tackle. But Iki Kwanu from a James Camp and the new offensive line coach that here in Carolina, that is a guy who can come in and start right away. He's a tone setter. And Icky told them in the meetings that they had with him at the Combine in Indianapolis that he gives 100% everything that he does because if he's not, he's letting the team down. And there's without a doubt, like he's going to be the starting left tackle. And I've loved everything I've heard so far about his work ethic here in Carolina and also the team's willingness to have him start day one at left tackle against Miles Garrett in the Cleveland Browns week one here in Uptown Charlotte, because that's what he needs to be doing. That's why they brought him here, and he's someone that they felt, and Camp and said it, could change that offensive line and help them from day one, and that's my expectation. I'm sure that's your expectation. Should be all of the people's expectations after what we've seen and heard about Iki Aquano, but it makes it even sweeter that he's one of our own, that he's a guy who grew up there going to the games, who stayed, played high school football here, then went down to NC State, and now is back home here in Charlotte, and and knows what it means. I mean, that's the thing about it. It's it's not just like, oh, you got a great player. Because obviously you get a great player at six, which Scott Fitter kind of always knew that they were going to do. Um, but to get a great player at six and it'd be someone who was from the area and grew up there wearing the colors and just understands what that team means to the community makes it all the better. And one thing that did jump out to me as they were leading up to the draft, we didn't really see any calls about them trading back. We we, we saw that last year. Where there were there's some talk with uh, I think it was Minnesota was talking to him about moving up or something like that, but we didn't see that this year. We spent all those weeks leading up to the draft speculating would the Panthers trade back, and there was the thought I know from a lot of you who watch and listen to the show that felt like the best thing for the Panthers to do with only having pick six there in the first round and then not until pick one thirty seven there in the fourth round that the Panthers needed to do something, find a way to get either into day two, which they traded away a year ago to bring Sam Darnold from the Jets, and then day three where they traded away after week three of last season to go get C.J. Henderson and also ship off Dan Arnold to the Jacksonville Jaguars, not having those day two picks and sitting there idly on Friday, at least for the time leading all the way to the draft, 
was not ideal. And that was not something that we wanted to see, but we didn't see, at least from what they showed us, that's the important thing. We were never going to see every single conversation. And I appreciate the organization giving us the insight to see kind of what they were going through and the conversations that they have. We're not going to get every single conversation. But from what they showed us, never really looked like they had the appetite actually trade back there on draft night, that they were really all in on getting a tackle there and they wanted to see what was going to happen around them and in front of them. And well, panned out perfectly as Icky Aquano, the Carolina Panthers finally have their answer there at left tackle. And the Carolina Panthers also hope that they have their answer at quarterback. As Matt Corral, we found out, might have been a Carolina Panthers top guy, again, from at least what they showed us. We'll talk about the reactions from Matt Corral and his, uh, per, not performance, but uh, his his portion of Panthers Confidential here in just a moment on Locked On Panthers. Our partners at Bet Online continue to be the number one source for all your betting needs and sports info. Find all the latest odds, news, and sports developments, including this year's NBA playoffs, Stanley Cup playoffs, Major League Baseball scores, fights, and even next season's NFL futures. Bet Online is your continued source for all your sports wagering information from live betting, the playoffs, esports, and more. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and action. Bet Online, where the game starts. All offseason following exit interviews there at Bank of America Stadium in mid-January, Scott Fitter, the Carolina Panthers general manager, made it known that the Panthers were going to be aggressive or going to add to the quarterback room. We thought it might be Deshaun Watson. We thought it might be someone named Baker Mayfield or Jimmy Garoppolo, but it ended up being Matt Corral, who the Carolina Panthers took with the 94th pick overall in the third round there in the NFL draft a few weeks ago. And the lead-up, was interesting because we, we spent a lot of time going back here on a pod and trying to discuss whether take, taking quarterback there at six would make any sense. And as I mentioned with Icky Iquano earlier, it looked like they were all in on getting a tackle, that there was not a discussion of a quarterback or an edge rusher there at six for Carolina or even trading back, that the appetite was fully on getting Icky Iquano. And they felt like they, they were even get, they were either going to get Icky or Evan Neal, depending upon what the New York Giants did in front of them after watching Houston take Derek Stingley and watching the Jets take Sauce Gardner, and of course, the top two picks being Trayvon Walker and Aiden Hutchinson, two edge rushers going to the Jags and to the um, Lions, respectively. So they sat there looking at five, wondering, all right, what's the thing you're going to do? Are the Giants going to take a tackle or are they going to take an edge rusher? Because they have five and seven. They can afford all three of the top tackles on the board to wait and get a tackle, which thankfully they did, which led Carolina to take Ikki Kwanu, who I'm sure – had to be among the top players on their board. But they did not take a quarterback at six. Kenny Pickett being the only quarterback to go in the first round, going 20th overall to Pittsburgh Steelers instead of walking left into the facility there at Heinz Field. He'll now walk to the right to the facility there in Heinz Field. He'll now be a Pittsburgh Steeler, and congratulations to him. But after that, we didn't see quarterbacks go off the board for a while until the third round rolled around where we saw Devson Ritter go to the Falcons, and we saw Malik Willis go to the Tennessee Titans as they traded up, and eventually the Carolina Panthers had a decision to make to trade up, and they did, getting Matt Corral, giving up their fourth-round pick this year and their third-round pick, at least flipping them with New England, and getting Matt Corral, which was just great for them and something that was needed. And I had talked about, I think, one of the biggest mistakes Panthers have made since Matt not Matt, well, yes, yeah, since Matt Rule came here, was they haven't given the fan base a ton of hope at the quarterback position. All right, you let go of Cam Newton. I understand 
new guy coming. Maybe Matt Rule. Matt Rule's probably intimidated by Cam, which Cam has said in the past that you know some guys get intimidated by him when he walks into a locker room, and why New England felt like they probably needed to move off of him, even though he says he would have sat there and supported Mac Jones, and even said on his YouTube page that he thought that they would win games, which they did, getting to the uh, the playoffs this past year there in the AFC Wild Card round. But Cam, as we saw last year, came in and was a great teammate, and has always been a great teammate. Aside from what all the things that everyone else wants to say about him, which have not been true. So Matt Rule came in, probably intimidated by Cam decided, all right, let's move off him also with the injury to the foot that he suffered and dealing with that for two years. I can see why David Sepper would sign off on that. Remember, he said, I'm not a doctor. You're not a doctor. You know, we'll see what happens as the Panthers waited far too late to allow Cam Newton to seek a trade, as I put that in quotes, and go move on and eventually got an opportunity with New England. But after that, Bridgewater, okay, you bring in Teddy. Totally fine. He knows the system with Joe Brady, and he was down in New Orleans, went 5-0 and as a starter with that defense looking great and getting some complimentary support from that offense, especially guys like Alvin Kamara. So it made sense to bring in Teddy Ridgewater. I got it. The contract, you look at it, it's like, eh, it's a lot of money, but it is a starting quarterback. And you're going to give a starting quarterback that kind of a salary, and that's just typically how things go. Now, it's not nearly as much as you see the other top-tier guys kind of make, but $20 million a year, okay, whatever. And you look at it, too. The deal is likely, all right, he starts in 2020, probably starts in 2021, then you move off of him. In between then, you draft a quarterback, which the Panthers could have done last year. But instead, they decided after one year with Teddy Bridgewater that they're done with this. They're going to trade for Sam Darnold and go with the number eight pick, which went, went on to be J.C. Horn. They felt like that was a better bet for them than taking Mac Jones, who helped the Patriots get to the playoffs this past year, and Justin Fields, who did not look great for Chicago, but also has not been given a ton of support last year. And so far, looking at what they've done this offseason, probably going to be in trouble again there up in Chicago. So they could have done that. They could have drafted someone and let this fan base fall in love with that rookie, like we've seen since they've taken Matt Corral. Because I see a lot of people excited about Matt Corral, which they should be. This is someone who Sean Ryan, the Panthers quarterback coach, talked about on Panthers Confidential, who has the traits to potentially be a starting quarterback and maybe a franchise guy. And I we'll see if he's a franchise guy. He'll it looks like he'll get an opportunity maybe this season. I think more likely in 2023 to be the starting quarterback for the Carolina Panthers. But it also depends upon you know who is here. And one of the things about Matt Corral that makes a lot of people excited is Ben McAdoo and his evaluation. Because you go back to 2018 and that quarterback class, he pretty much nailed it on Baker Mayfield and Josh Rosen and Sam Darnold and Josh Allen and those guys that he evaluated there in that 2018 year and what's happened to them in their careers. And the hope is that maybe now with him working with Sam Darnold, he can get the, get him back down to basics, which Darnold talked about last week when speaking to the media following one of the uh, days of OTAs about just you know getting his footwork right and that he's bought in 100% with what Ben McAdoo is trying to tell him, trying to sell to him right now in Carolina. And same thing with Sean Ryan, the whole jump rope and all those fundamentals, which is only going to benefit Matt Corral to come in fresh and get that kind of coaching from someone who did a really good job with Eli Manning. I get it. Eli Manning's Eli Manning, likely going to be Hall of Famer. Like how much did Ben McAdoo really do? But the Giants offense was terrible. Then he shows up, had success. And then, of course, as a head coach, probably not what his role should be in the National Football League. But as an O.C., He's only proven to be a good one. He's only going to have learned from his mistakes in the past. And hopefully with a young quarterback, he can help Matt Corral. And I see a lot of folks excited about him being here because of his evaluations and what he said in the past when it comes to Matt Corral. So it, it was cool to get the insight. And I would love to have seen more of their evaluations, like with, with the tackles of Kenny Pickett and where they had him and, and Desmond Ritter and Malik Willis. And I guess even Sam Howell, who we, 
last week when Jonathan Alexander, uh, the Charlotte Observer, came on the show, he said even after they went out and got Matt Corral that they were talking about still drafting Sam Howell. So it's interesting when a lot of people are like, oh, that when you see them talk about Matt, Matt Rule saying that, hey, if I'm going to trade up for any quarterback, it's going to be Matt Corral. Like, that's the guy I like. And they talked about how Dan Morgan was was all on him. Same thing with Cole Spencer, that they were bullish and sold on him. And, of course, Ben McAdoo and Sean Ryan and how they feel about Matt Corral and all the things that have said about his leadership and his talent level, the traits, his athleticism. Like, he fits the mold of what you want. And did he drop? I don't know. They said all along, the NFL did, showing us how they felt about these quarterback class. And only one going in the first round, that being Kenny Pickett who conveniently was right down the hall, literally, up uh, to the Pittsburgh Steelers and Mike Tomlin, who took him there at 20, now after seeing Ben Roethlisberger retire. So I would have loved to see what their thoughts were on the rest of the quarterbacks, but it looks like they got their guy. And we'll see now, moving forward, what that looks like for Matt Corral here in Carolina. And a big part of it, too, is who is on this coaching staff. Because right now, this coaching staff, Matt Rule, and with Sean Ryan, with Ben McAdoo, James Campen and all the other offensive coaches, like this is their quarterback that they want to work on. And they, I think they want to give him some time. Maybe it's an opportunity if he looks too good that, hey, maybe it turns out how things worked out 10 years ago in Seattle. And then we had someone on Friday mailbag bring up the similarities between this team and that Seahawks team back in 2012. Maybe going to take a closer look at that at some point this week on one of the episodes. But they didn't think, I don't think Scott Fitter and in Seattle at the time, they all felt like that Russell Wilson was going to step in and beat out Matt Flynn. They just handed Matt Flynn a big contract. Sam Darnold's not in the same boat as they tried all offseason to replace Sam Darnold. But now they got Matt Corral in here. It's someone that they obviously liked. They decided that they could not wait any longer. I would have loved to have known the conversation that they said, hey, we're going to trade up for a quarterback. When that occurred, did that happen after Ritter or Willis had gone? Or was that before? And I guess conventional wisdom would probably tell you it was before. But there's a lot of meaningful context things that we need to have in order to have this conversation, you know, the right way. But still, clearly, they like Matt Corral. And I've told y'all that I like Matt Corral, love them at Ole Miss. I just sit here and just ask for some sort of patience and let's not do get too overboard. Be excited, absolutely, because the Panthers got their guy. And I'm happy that he's here. I'm hoping that he, get, he comes along. He's a starting quarterback here for the next 10, 15 years. If that's what's was supposed to happen, and I mean, really, I, I'm what's I'm tired of the quarterback carousel. And one thing we also didn't see was Baker Mayfield. They were trying to trade for Baker. We didn't see any of those conversations there in their war room through uh, Panthers Confidential, which is interesting to me that we didn't get some of that insight. Maybe they didn't want to give up too too much away of uh, their thought process, as Jonathan Alexander told us last week that they don't really want to spend uh, more than five, even like three million dollars on a quarterback if they bring someone else in that would be a veteran and baker mayfield the browns so far don't want to have to pay that much money they're willing to pay for half according to jonathan but they're not going to pay for as much as what carolina wanted them to pay as they already have sam darnold on the books for 18.8.858 million dollars this upcoming season so we did miss that conversation but overall matt corral that's who they wanted looks like at quarterback and of course at tackle without a question they got their guy in icky aquanu so those two guys are obviously the headliners of the rookie class. Got Brandon Smith out of Penn State, the linebacker, Mari Barno, the edge rusher out of Virginia Tech, Kalen Barnes, the corner out of Baylor, Cade Mays, the, well, he's all around the offensive line so far. They're out of Tennessee. Of those guys that were drafted especially, and really the top two, Icky and Matt Corral, who needs to have the biggest impact here in 2022? It seems obvious, but maybe it's not that simple 
of a conversation. So let's take a quick pause here and talk about more of that here on Locked On Panthers. We could have spent the entire offseason debating what was more important for the Carolina Panthers, finding a franchise left tackle or a franchise quarterback. As you look at the NFL nowadays, if you don't have a quarterback, you don't have a chance. Yeah, you can be like San Francisco and have a great roster around a guy like Jimmy Garoppolo, but we've even seen with them, once it gets down to those late game moments, like in the Super Bowl in the fourth quarter against Kansas City and the NFC title game a couple months ago against the Los Angeles Rams, your guy's got to make a play. Scott Fitterer says he doesn't think you have to have a great quarterback in order to win, but it feels like nowadays you really need to. After, hey, Matt, I don't think anyone going into last year, not necessarily the general consensus probably wasn't that Matthew Stafford was a great quarterback, but he's pretty darn good. And he showed last year, especially that, that throw to Cooper Cup late in the game on the road against Tampa and the GOAT Tom Brady, who had just come back that, hey, maybe he's, uh, got, he's made for a little bit more of the moment than you really thought and go out there and win a Super Bowl in that first year. He was the missing link for the Los Angeles Rams down there in Sean McVay as they got rid of Jared Goff, who was just an okay, solid quarterback to get a star. And we've seen San Francisco now move off of Jimmy Garoppolo and bring in Trey Lance, who they hope is a star. Because if you don't have a star at quarterback, you don't really have a chance. But also, if you don't have an offensive line, you can't protect your blind side, which the Panthers have had a literal revolving door there over the last decade since Jordan Rose retired. Then how much of a chance does your quarterback have? Did Sam Darnold have much of a chance last year? You can look at the injury to Christian McCaffrey, the injuries on the offensive line, but really just the talent level on the offensive line in question. Was he put in his place to succeed? And there's also things that you can't necessarily excuse as far as Sam Darnold's play, but that those two are reasonable excuses and reasonable things to look at and point to of, yeah, who really was going to have a ton of success behind him? Patrick Mahomes has played behind bad offensive lines, and he's gotten the team to the Super Bowl, and he's won a Super Bowl. We've seen a lot of players have to overcome it. Russell Wilson, all those years in Seattle, the success he had playing against offensive lines that got him beat up and banged up all the time, but yet still made a ton of plays. You got to have that kind of guy. So now I look at it. The Panthers have hopefully found their guys, both at left tackle and Aki Aquanu at NC State, sixth overall pick from here in Charlotte, and Matt Corral, 94th overall pick in the third round um, at Ole Miss. Those two, hopefully, will be cornerstone members of this organization in the next phases of the franchise here in Carolina for the next 10, 15 years. That's what you would hope to see here. And I feel great about Icky and Matt. I'm just going to, I love them again at Ole Miss. Just want to wait and see and give him an opportunity to learn this offense and to ease him into it before saying, Hey, yeah, I'll just throw him out there. Cause we're sick of seeing Sam Darnold, who I hope bounces back. Cause hell, I want the team to win and he might be the best option for them today. And in September, but in October, November, December, will he be? We will see. Not quite sure. Don't have a ton of confidence in him, but he was a number three overall pick for a reason. So maybe Ben McAdoo can finally get it out of him. All that to say, though, is of the rookies taken, who needs to have the biggest impact of the Panthers this upcoming season? Is it as simple to say Icky Aquanu? So you look at it. Okay, you, you right side, right tackle. You have Taylor Moten, who's going to be the stalwart, and you're not worried about him. Right guard, you got Austin Corbett, who just came out with a Super Bowl win. Uh, Bradley Bozeman or Pat Elfline, hopefully Bozeman, will be the starting center. And then Brady Christensen fitting there at left, left guard. Already on paper, that's an upgrade from what the Panthers had last year in right tackle, still being Taylor Moten, and then right guard, John Miller, who was not great, Matt Paradis at center, and then Pat Elfline after Paradis went down. And in left guard, being a combination of Michael Jordan and Pat Elfline and Dennis Daly and just not – good enough at all for the Panthers now you have that left tackle where you have Brady there 
for a couple games at the end of the last year. You had Taylor Moten there for a couple for a game. And then you had, um, even though we've known for a while that he's a right tackle and that's where he needs to be. And, and then, of course, you had Cam Irving, who's still back here and can be a good backup, but he's just not a starting caliber left tackle in the National Football League. So you got Icky and the offensive line. They spent a lot of resources and time trying to fix that this offseason. That was a priority, Scott Fitter told us, at exit interviews in mid-January here in Charlotte and that they were going to fix the offensive line. And they absolutely did that. And now to get Icky, he's got to be great. Because everything else, everybody else in the left side is one thing where I think that there it's not necessarily like I'm concerned about it, but it is two young guys. It's Brady Christensen who didn't play nearly as many snaps as he probably should have last year at left guard, then a rookie at left tackle in Iki Aquano. So they're gonna have to find a way to at least ease Icky into it as much as that they as much as they can. Yeah, he should be the, the starting left tackle right away, and he might be just fine. And I hope he's gonna be just fine. But I also recognize that he's a rookie. And Miles Garrett's probably that first matchup he's going to face. And, hey, maybe let's not leave the left tackle out there on an island. But if he shows it from day one that he's not a problem, then I don't think he's really ever going to be a problem. But that, hey, I got this, then I'll be I'll be excited about that. So he's obviously vitally important to be that final piece on the offensive line. As we went into the draft, talking about left tackle or quarterback, what should they do there, especially at six, and what should be the priority. But then you also look at the quarterback position. Scott Fitter has said multiple times that what they need to do is stabilize that position and someone needs to take a hold of it. Sam Darnold, really for him this year, unless he becomes the comeback player of the year in the NFL, and he just balls out as a Pro Bowl or an All-Pro, I just don't really see him being back here in Carolina, because they ha- especially because if he wins enough, that's going to give them an opportunity to be a playoff team, and Matt Rule would be back in year four. And Matt Rule and John Ryan and, and Ben McAdoo, and of course, Scott Fitter and all this in the scouting staff, Pretty much let you know how they feel about Matt Corral and his ability to potentially be a starter or the VA starter one day and then maybe be a franchise quarterback. Nothing of that was said definitively, but Sean Ryan saying, hey, guys got the traits to be a starter, maybe even damn franchise. So we'll see how that works out. So even if Darnold plays well, we'll see. But if Darnold doesn't play well and they don't add to the quarterback room as they have not done so far as Baker Mayfield's a name that we keep hearing about doesn't look like, according to Jonathan Alexander, that there's much appetite for Jimmy Garoppolo just because of the price really. And also the injury that if it's going to be anybody, and maybe it could be Cam Newton. But when you look at the quarterback position, it's there's, I don't know how much better they are right now than they were last year. You add in a, a young guy, which you needed to do after chasing after all these veterans like Russell Wilson and Deshaun, of course, his offseason. And then last year, Matthew Stafford, all of them saying no to you because they look at your foundation and just don't think that that's the right place for them to go to win. So organically, what you needed to do was bring in a, a quarterback, which they've done in Matt Corral, and then hopefully bring him along slowly. But what if they can't? Bring them along slowly. What they need, Matt Crow to go out there and play. So PJ Walker's shown that he can come in and help you win a game. Uh, can he be a, a backup quarterback who's going, who can start a couple games? You'll be just fine. Uh, Panthers felt like that was not the answer last year as they brought in Cam. And who knows? Maybe PJ would have had a better opportunity. I don't know. I don't think so either way because just how the defense deteriorated and the offensive line play and McCaffrey being out and all that just was an avalanche of bad things happening to the Panthers in the final seven weeks of last season as they lost all seven of those games following the great moment with Cam back there in Arizona. Matt Corral, if he's called upon, can he come in and play and have a major impact? I don't know what kind of impact Brandon Smith's going to have here in Carolina this year, especially if Damon Wilson and Corey Littleton are healthy and ready to go. It looks like they'll probably be the starters. Uh, we'll get the opportunity to start next to Shaq. Amari Barno, he could. 
knowing that they need someone opposite of Brian Burns to step up. It's going to be edge rusher by committee, but I still don't necessarily see that. And Cade Mays is probably going to be more of a backup guy for this upcoming season. And Kalen Barnes, seven-round pick, back with his old guys, like he said on um, Panthers Confidential. Uh, it's a very deep corner room. And so I don't really look at him coming in as a seven-round pick and starting right away. Maybe he can be a key special teamer, and if maybe they need him, we'll see. So it really just comes down to those top two guys, Icky or Matt, who – needs to have a bigger impact. And I think just for me, it probably needs to be Iki Iquanu just to be the final piece of that offensive line at the left ta- on the left side there on left tackle, more so than Matt Corral. Cause just for me, I, I just want Mac to come in, learn the offense, come along slowly and hell, if they need him later on in the season, that'd be great with a better offensive line, McCaffrey healthy, hope for the receivers bounce like finding someone who can be a number two again, like Robbie was in 2020. And hopefully he can do that again here in 2022. And then Terrace Marshall ascending as a number three guy, maybe these tight ends and McAdoo's offense playing well, then Darnold should be in a situation where hopefully we can see him play the way he played through the first three and a half weeks of last season. And then we'll see what happens from there. But the offense is set up for him to have a way more, way more success. So I just look at the left tackle, something I've been just begging for for years as being more important as far as the Panthers' success this year, at least with the guys who are the rookies. Because I think Icky, the expectations for him should be loads higher than what the expectations should be for Matt Corral heading this year, even though Matt Corral could eventually, maybe this season, have a massive role. Huh, massive. What am I doing? Have a massive role here for the Carolina Panthers. All right, it's going to wrap up this edition of Locked On Panthers, hosted by yours truly, Julian Council. We're part of Locked On Podcast Network. Again, make sure to watch the show and subscribe to the show over on YouTube. And if you don't watch the show on YouTube, that's okay. You can check us out on all the podcasting platforms out there. So whether it be Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Odyssey, Stitcher, and all the other ones outside of that, just make sure to rate, review, and subscribe so you don't miss a single episode of Locked on Panthers. And be sure to follow me on Twitter, at Julian Council, every single Friday. I ask you to be a part of the weekly Friday mailbag here on the show. To participate moving forward, send me a tweet DM. So DM me on Twitter, slide into DMs, give me your whatever your question is. Just a lot easier to try and parse through those that come directly to me opposed to having to go back and try and go through all. We get because we get a lot of comments, a lot of great interaction there on the YouTube page, but just easier for me if you guys just come directly to me with a DM on Twitter at Julian Council to get me in that question. If you don't have Twitter, then okay, you can continue to do it on YouTube, but I'm going to mainly be looking through Twitter to answer your weekly Friday mailbag questions. So I don't ever answer your questions because you probably didn't send it to me on Twitter. So that's where I'm hoping I'm asking you to send them to me. So I hope that's not asking too much. Really shouldn't be because that's how we used to do things before on YouTube anyway. So again, DM me or even at me on Twitter and I'll answer your weekly Friday mailbag questions starting again this upcoming Friday. But in the meantime, stay safe, be cool, keep pounding, and I'll talk to y'all tomorrow.